I really believe that one of the uh, most encouraging ways that Trinity is blessed over the years is having the privilege, the the blessing of being able to participate in uh, the Lord raising up churches in various places. We've had the opportunity to do that in Mankato and in Boston uh, with the Richter family and in Billings, Montana uh, with the Charettes. And, And it is truly a blessing for us. It is an encouragement to us to be able to see how the Lord's at work in those places, raising up his people, raising up more worshipers to gather and to worship him. And it's especially a blessing when we're able to have those pastors come and preach God's word to us, and we are so thankful to have the Charettes with us today. Uh, they've come a long way uh, to be here, and uh, we're so thankful that Josh is going to bring us God's word. So, Josh, please come and preach God's word to us. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, would you turn to John chapter 15? I believe it is on page 902. In your Pew Bible, John 15, starting in verse 12 through verse 17. John 15, 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, And that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Pray that you would illuminate your truth to us this morning. Christ's name. Amen. So good to be here with you. I think it was about six years ago that I was here last and you were not worshiping here but you were over in the school and so it is uh, it's pretty exciting to be here with you in this beautiful building and just uh, a delight to be here at this uh, conference weekend I've had just uh, wonderful connections with many of you and just so thankful for uh, the warm greeting that uh, that you have given to all of us uh, I gotta admit these conferences are not the things that I, de- I, I certainly look forward to doing all the time. They can sometimes be a bit stressful. And I think part of it has to do with not liking to leave home. Uh, but it's good for me to come and to see uh, churches that support us. It's good for, for me to connect with all of you who have prayed so much for for our work and for uh, the connections that we are making here this weekend with MTW and uh, and just just wonderful to be with you. Uh, I was encouraged you know by a number of, of you and some of the things that you shared, especially the mission committee you know a, uh, a missionary a church planter uh, always loves to hear these words that, that you 're getting a raise uh, 
So it was great. To, no, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. I, I didn't hear that. Uh, but uh, what I did hear, and I, and I feel like this is, it's always an amazing thing. Is you come and you see people that you haven't seen for a while, and some you just don't recognize. Maybe we've met before. But when you look at me, my wife, and you say, we've been praying for you, been praying for your work, praying for your children, it's just an incredible blessing. Uh, I just feel so blessed to, to be a pastor, to be a missionary, and to know that God's church, so far away from where we are, is praying for us, that knows us. And so I just want to say thank you. Uh, it's, just, uh, it's just wonderful to hear those words and to feel that as a father that my children are being prayed for. Uh, what a blessing it is to serve in ministry. And so I, I think that sometimes ministry or missionary work, maybe you feel a bit lonely and it can be. <clears throat> but I'm encouraged by you and so I just say thank you for that. Conferences. We called this a conference, but in all uh, honesty, it hasn't felt like that at all. Uh, it has felt like just a, a great time to get to know one another. We've sat together, we've had meals, and we have shared, we have visited, and we have prayed. And so in some ways, this, this doesn't feel like a conference at all. It just feels like uh, reconnection and making friends. Which is why I'm excited to share with you this morning about friendship and the gospel. Honestly, when thinking of the theme of this <coughs> conference <coughs> and being asked to come up with a theme, I was a little uh, taken back by that because usually I'm told this is what the theme is going to be and given a text. And so I had to kind of come up with it and wondered why I was getting this kind of work. <laughs> and uh, so it took me a while, Arlene, I'm sorry. Uh, but eventually we got there, and I think it is the right thing. And part of it, to be honest with you, is because friendship is what I desire with all of you. And I didn't feel like with it being six years that there's really a, a deep connection. But so for me coming and sharing this with you this morning, I think part of, part of it is because this is what I desire with all of you. And I have felt that... Uh, certainly by all of you this morning and this weekend, so, so thank you for that. The other thing is that I desire to express something that I feel is accessible to all of us and that it doesn't have to overcomplicate things. Uh, that having a conference, I think at times we're looking to learn new uh, ideas or be challenged in new ways and be challenged in our thinking. But uh, I just feel like missions and outreach do not have to be something technical or complicated. Uh, instead, they are something that uh, it is something that is accessible to all of us, the whole family, all of you, kids as well. Uh, when you think about the gospel, when you think about sharing the gospel, when you think about church planting or missions. Uh, it ought not to be something complicated or for just a few, but something that we can all feel engaged in. I was part of a mission conference in a little town in Wyoming. And this town is sort of near uh, a reservation. And they asked if I would come and share with them about Native people and what they could do as a church to connect more with that community. Because in their little town, there were people from the reservation living there as well. 
but there were none in their church. And as I was sharing with them about Native work and our work and, and just uh, going through this, this conference, a man raised his hand for uh, questions and uh, he said, Josh, I'm, I'm listening to you, but I'm wondering, as you look around this congregation, you realize that the majority of us are older, that we all have white hair, and uh, what could we do? And listening to his question, it made me feel like maybe he assumed that what I was sharing wasn't something that applied to him, or that you had to be young uh, in order to reach or connect with Native people. But I shared with them, because you are older and you have white hair, you already have this instant passport with Native people just because of the cultural value of respect and honor for those who are older. And just wanted to reinforce to him that, look, you are old, but you have a great opportunity to connect with Native people. So I just feel like mission, evangelism, outreach, the gospel is something that we can all do and be a part of. When Katie and I started Great Plains Gathering, it was really our desire from the beginning to keep things simple, to base uh, our relationships upon friendship. We didn't want to turn relationships that we were making into a means-to-an-end relationship because that really wouldn't be authentic friendship. It is hard... It's hard to maintain that, uh, believe it or not. And the reason why is I think we are all driven in some ways. We are very results-oriented people. Uh, I know that I can be. And so when you think about making friends and building relationships, and if you're looking at it from trying to, to gain results through planting a church, it can become very complicated. So we planted a church and we felt like we needed to do uh, that based on true friendship. I think though in church planting there's a pressure. There's a pressure to have to have results. uh, To show that you can actually gather people. And you have to move from actually gathering people in sort of an idea stage to, to forming. And to eventually establishing a core group to where you can then launch out into worship. Maybe some of you have been part of a church plant and you know this. But you can't just do that with yourself. You have to gather people. There's a sense in which results are expected. You want to see people come and be part of the work. And our church planting rule of thumb is 50 is a good number to begin with. You don't want to start with less. You want to gather a solid group of people. But what happens is when you're trying to gather people, what, what, what do you do when all of a sudden the people you are connecting with don't want to worship with you? Maybe they don't tell you they don't want to come to worship, but indirectly they don't come to the thing you've invited hoping that they would come, but they don't come. What do you do? Does that stop the relationship? Does that stop the friendship that you are trying to establish with them? Do you stay friends? I heard one church planting coach say it like this, invest in those who will invest in others and just be real nice to everybody else. (laughs) This sounds like it makes sense. Especially when you're trying to establish a core group, a launch team, to eventually have something to show for it. 
But what tends to happen is within church planting, and I want to share with you about that since I'm a church planter, is we tend to vet church planters who we feel have the best skills, who are kind of like entrepreneurs. And uh, we want to see the people who have the product that they can actually they can sell. And in some ways, what we've done is we've turned evangelism and outreach into a profession. Something that is for those who have the skills. And we sort of leave it up to them to do that work. And those who do it well get the support. They get the money so that they can begin the work. And I think a temptation here is that a lot of leaders actually begin to believe this about themselves. That they are gifted. That they are the kind of leader that is necessary in this community. That they're the ones who can really gather the people. They are the ones with the, the entrepreneurial thinking and the skill set. But once you raise the money, the pressure is on for results. You now have to make it happen to have something to show for it. And if you do, then great, you were worth investing in. But if you don't, then maybe you're not. Does this sound like church? It kind of sounds like a business startup. (laughs) It doesn't sound like the gospel. And people in this situation often become the subjects of our, our vision and our plans. Treated often like target audiences that we need to convince to buy our product. Friendship is, is nothing like this. It's nothing like this. In fact, it's far less predictable and way more messy. And uh, people are never target groups. They always remain people. Always remain people. The gospel being the motivation and friendship reminds us that, that people are not a means to an end. Friendship is an end in itself. And that is true whether one comes to faith or not. That, that, that ought to be our hearts as Christ's church. We prayed for four years before uh, starting Great Plains Gathering. And not only did we pray, but we had been encouraged and even challenged by another church planter to get people to start praying for this work before we even started. And I'm so thankful that we did. And I think you were all a part of that process as well. And so when we began to plant Great Plains Gathering, we knew that as we were beginning to build relationships, that these friendships that we were making were not just a a coincidence, but these were God appointments. We knew that regardless of how it felt at times, it maybe didn't always look or feel like it was moving in that direction, we knew that these relationships that were forming, that were coming together, that we were, were beginning to see were a result of, of prayer. And connecting with people and church planting, the hard part, I think at times, is people who support you, they want to know what you're doing. So I'm just going to share with you a little bit about church planting and some of the dynamics a little bit. And people want to know what, what's going. Are you, are you working? Are you bearing results? Are you, are you making good on our investment? 
Give us some stories. Send us some pictures. Give us the good stuff. Tell us the details. But when you begin making friends, you begin to find that telling their stories uh, is kind of like exploiting them. It's kind of like I'm talking about people I know. And I'm sharing it sort of like I'm, I'm trying to promote something that attracts supporters and that keeps people invested and believing that this is something worth investing in. In some ways it feels like maybe you're keeping people happy at another's expense. And that is not friendship either. It's not friendship. When you make friends who are not a means to an end, You don't speak things about them unless you ask them. I want to share your story. I want to share a little bit about how God is at work and what He's done in your life. Are you okay with me sharing that with some friends who pray for us? I would would love that, they might say. That's different. That changes things. But we should say and speak things about our friends that if they were to hear and to know that we were sharing them, that they would be okay or that they give us that ability to do so. I think it is especially important when you're serving in the margins, when you're serving among people who happen to be poor, who are overlooked and unseen, especially where the stories and those contexts tend to attract people because they realize that something needs to change. And where is that change taking place? Is it happening through your work? Friendship in the Gospel. Here's what I see in John chapter 15. Jesus has been with His disciples for a little while now. And Jesus wanted to affirm to them the nature of His relationship with them. And the way He describes it is friendship. I no longer call you servants. I no longer call you servants, He says, since He was was the teacher and the person uh, of authority over them. But here in this section, all of this was interrupted. This culturally appropriate relationship that they had was interrupted with a new one. One that implied mutuality. They were friends and in some ways, the way it is described here is that it meant equal. Here was the God-man and in what we find about the Gospel is this God-man is a lackluster king from little out of nowhere Galilee with a ragtag group of folks doing some pretty amazing things. And it had, it had attention, but on another level, it was easily overlooked. You know, the Bible tells us about Jesus that, that He had no beauty or majesty that, that He should be desired by people. In other words, Jesus wasn't a head taller than everybody else. He wasn't handsome and ruddy like his great-grandfathers, David and Solomon. He was easily overlooked. He was gifted, but he was accessible to all the wrong people. All the wrong people like sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. He was befriending them. No one of any significance or influence. This was the kind of community that Jesus was bringing around Himself. This is the kind of community that He said He had come to seek and to save that was lost. 
seeking to reinforce to them in this teachable moment what it meant for them to be his friends was that they should obey his command to love one another just as Jesus had loved them. So here's this command, but it is rooted in the fact that He was demonstrating this for them. He was loving them, displaying that love, demonstrating it to them. Calling them who were overlooked and insignificant, He was demonstrating that love. And as they were experiencing that, as they were feeling that, this is how they were to also be and demonstrate to one another. I think it's important when we look at Jesus' example. He was with them. He was with His disciples. He was with those who were broken. With those who were full of shame. Friendship begins with learning to be with others. It's one thing to consider those who maybe are in need and say, I'm for you, man. I hope you can do it. You know? But being with people... Being with changes the nature of your relationship. This is what Jesus is showing His disciples. This was what was so amazing to those who, were, who knew themselves to be sinners and were bringing others who they knew were thought of as sinners as well to hear and to be around Jesus. By being with, you have time. By being with, you now have time to demonstrate love for others. Jesus had been doing this and they would soon see the depth of His love displayed in His life, poured out for theirs and rising from the dead. You know, when you think about friendship, sometimes there's fair weather friendship. If things are going well, people are with you. If you're struggling though, if maybe there's something that surfaces in your heart from your past that creates all kind of a shame and it, it begins to change your life for some reason, where, where are our friends? Are they only with you when you're doing well? When life is, is looking well too? Or, or are your friends really with you? Jesus displays what it means to be friends at all times. Being with people through thick and thin with their sin and yours. Loving, persevering with forbearance is key. I was in one of the Sunday school rooms over here in one of the kids' rooms and there was forbearance listed on, on, on one of the billboards. And being able to, to express and demonstrate relationship where there may be even deep difference. I mean, think about it. We just heard a prayer and prayed together about how divided we are. We're divided in our country. It's very obvious. But how do, we, how do we begin to build relationships where those divisions are not the things that matter most, but that we're eager to, to draw near, to come close, to, to build true friendship, not, not in some one-way fashion, but we're willing to open up, to share, to be honest. I think we are probably all good at loving and making friends with people we share things in common with. I know. It's true. People who maybe look the same, share each other's values, go to church, maybe love football, like to hunt, fish, strong home, 
good kids, soccer, private, Christian, school, or maybe homeschool, but but what about others where there is deep difference like race, color, culture, belief, low income, poor, disabled, single parent, public school, broken homes. We tend to build relationships where we can relate to one another. I think part of it is because we're just comfortable there. We're just comfortable. But when you look at the Gospel, what we find is that Christ is constantly disrupting our comfort zones. Constantly overturning our idols. Constantly overturning these, these areas where we, are, where we are comfortable and moves us, pushes us. The Holy Spirit pushes us into those places where we got to trust God. Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Friendship here implies, at times, letting go. Letting go of my rights for the sake of another. It's sacrificial. Reaching out and building relationships with others, even where there is significant difference. It's hard. It's hard. And it requires sacrifice. You have to be willing to let go of certain comforts for the sake of another. You have to almost invite a kind of disruption. Things that that are going to be awkward, uncomfortable. But this is what it means when Jesus said, Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Often we are afraid of differences and it keeps us distant and ignorant. We're not learning. We're not growing. We're not understanding somebody. We don't know their story. We just, we judge. We are not only, we're not only afraid, but maybe our fear comes in the form of arrogance. I'm better. I'm more superior, smarter, wiser and thus we compare we judge but real friendship real friendship is willing to sacrifice even to the highest level of laying down our life for someone else imagine doing this though for someone maybe we deem unworthy like um, maybe an abused boy An abused boy who in every sense of the word is an orphan who has learned how to manipulate and lie to get through this life. What about love? What about sacrificial love in that instance? Friendship here takes time. Takes energy. Maybe more than we feel we have to offer. But what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Did God become man in order to be with people who He had a lot in common with? (laughs) Did He come to be with people who shared His values, who were pretty cleaned up, that just needed a little bit of tweaking? How about no? (laughs) He came to us while we were yet sinners. We didn't and we wouldn't have chosen Him. Instead, He chose and called us. Jesus came to do the will of His Father, to make, to make known not only what the Father had for Him, 
but to share that with these disciples. Not because, not because they got it. In fact, they failed to get it until later. But He was making it known to them. He was sharing it with them. He was sharing all of this life with them. They were receiving and experiencing this. But they didn't get it until later. If I was Jesus, I would, I would probably have said, hey, if you're not willing to give your life for me, I'm not going to lay mine down for you. Sometimes pursuing friendship, it's lopsided. It's lopsided at times. You do a lot of labor meeting people where they are. You're willing to be hustled at times. You're willing to be taken advantage of. Friendship and pursuing it can be lopsided. You can experience and feel skepticism and distrust. Maybe somebody doesn't like you because you're white. And you go, I get it. And you you kind of feel that. You experience that discomfort. And, and And you can trust even in that. You learn to develop patience because you have experienced it in the gospel through Jesus who loves you and gave His life for you. See, it's one thing to say that, but rooting that reality, knowing that hearing these words, they're not easy, but I'm, I'm rooting that also in the fact that God loved us all while we were yet sinners. Like to feel a kind of discomfort, but knowing what, what Christ left on our behalf... It's amazing. Bearing fruit in this passage here, we it means we are connected to the life source that is God Himself. God Himself who is the vine and we are the branches. If we abide in Him, we will bear much fruit. We will bear much fruit. Love will abide in and through us. And bearing fruit will enable you and I to connect even where there is deep difference in our lives with others. That's that bearing fruit. That's that seeing the, the gospel reflected in our hearts and with our lives. You translate this into relationships with others. You, you realize that, that you don't always have to differentiate yourself from others in order to try and convert them. I know there's a kind of tactic in evangelism to kind of kind of unearth a person's idols in order for them to see their need. And just think about how we, we sometimes mechanically think of how we're going to connect so that we can convert somebody. And we, we just sort of bypass the relationship. Sort of bypass the story and, and actually getting to know someone. Valuing them. Humanizing them. And yourself. You don't always have to feel like you even have to defend God. You can instead just be with people without feeling the pressure to have to convert them. Do you want them to know Christ? Absolutely. Without a doubt, we do. But learning to be with others and to be honest, even about ourselves, increases the opportunity to share Christ by our life and even with words. This might feel 
not so natural at first. That maybe being and building friendships is beginning with our own vulnerability, exposing our own need, our own lack, our own insecurity. That, that's not something we do. We don't often admit our weaknesses. I know that as a man, and I'm certain that most men in here can relate with me on that, but when we lead out of that vulnerability, when we lead, it, it just it, it begins to open up the door for true friendship. And we learn that there is great strength in admitting our weaknesses. One of the hurdles that I have found in helping non-native people build friendships with nat- natives is, is learning of a tendency to be forceful. Uh, it's as if there's always an agenda. When you, when you look at someone and you see just this great distance and you see an obvious need and you're thinking, here's what these people need to be doing. <laughs> it's beginning to see that tendency for results, that need to have to see something because it, that seeing all that chaos creates a discomfort in our minds. Like we're, we're not comfortable with that. It, it, it in some ways exposes our own vulnerabilities that we don't want to face sometimes. Instead of forceful, it is, it is good to be intentional. But do not let that move to be in, being forceful. In other words, pursue friendships with people where you are you're not trying to be their savior. Not trying to be their savior. Learn to be good listeners. Seek relationships of mutuality. Meaning seek to, to grow in such a way that, that you need one another. That it's not just a this group needs me. See, what I want to share with you this morning is, is just understanding the nature of friendship. And just thinking about mission. Thinking about evangelism. Because I'm, I'm living in that as a church planter. And interacting in the conversation within the church all the time. And, and hearing things that I think really disrupt our witness at times. Learn to be good listeners. I mean, in relationship, it's so important. A wife wants to be heard, listened to. Because it, it says we care. I can do that alright at times. But when I don't, my wife lets me know. But knowing that we need one another and she love one another. Jesus in this section sort of bookends this command to love one another as I have loved you. And then he ends with the command again. Love one another. That's his word. Love one another. Love is patient, right? Love is kind. Love endures. Love exists among equals. So when you love people who are maybe economically poor, perhaps realize that that they may be in fact relationally rich and have something to give, something to share. The good news, the gospel, is that God would call and choose us to be His friends. That's an astonishing thing when you think about it. I just want to reflect on that this morning. I want us to hear that. If you're hearing anything from me, more than any kind of a challenge, is to know and to reinforce that God would call and choose us. 
that that would be something that just moves us in our heart. That we would just reflect on that and say, thanks be to God. Lord, thank You. Thank You that I am not only here worshiping in God's church, but my children are with me as well. And for our children, let us, let us teach them. Let us also expose them. Let us not, not keep them so safe and guarded in, in sort of a kind of protection from the world, but let's move them out. Let's move them into so that they can experience and build friendships and, 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 and trust Christ to display His life through them. When you begin to build relationships with people who are often not heard and not seen, you begin to hear them and see them. I was impressed this weekend listening to the team, that uh, the mission team that has been to Crow Creek. I'm so thankful for not just uh, a sort of shot once a year, but a continual connection I was so impressed by the language that I was hearing of, of, the, of, the, of the knowledge of the story. I'm so encouraged this weekend to be among you and to experience this embrace. To see a vision for native people. To be in a context where there are native people. And to, and to desire to, to do ministry among. To be with, to invite into your church body native people and native work. Reminding us of, of the great opportunity and the great hope of the gospel among our native people. I was so encouraged. I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm, I'm going away now and, and just going to be thankful and rejoicing to God in, in what has, has been taking place in the life of this body. I'm just so thankful for the gospel, for what God is doing and how He is challenging all of us, moving us toward one another. This isn't easy. It isn't easy. But God begins to change our thoughts, begins to change the way we interact with others. And, and when we look where we see deep difference, we begin to not, no longer say, what, what's, what's the matter with you? But we begin to say, what matters to you? All right, let me pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we, Lord, we just thank You for this day. God, we just thank You for Your Word. And I pray, Lord, that God, You would would help us, Lord, as we uh, build relationships, friendships, true friendships, with those who are so different than us, or not so different, but who do not know You. Help us to remain faithful and true to the Gospel, always living out of that sense that You chose us, that You called us, and now we can bear fruit. In Christ's name, Amen. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read that Jesus gathered his disciples together, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day 
when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. I think what Josh was calling on us to reflect on and to be thinking about this morning, this, this idea that God considers us friends. It's hard to get our minds around that idea. And when Jesus says that greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends, it's hard to get our minds around that, what that actually would look like. After all, none of us have done that in this room, at least, have done that to the ultimate end. What would that look like? What could be welled up in us to cause us to rise to that level of sacrifice? We gather around this table to see a picture of how much Jesus loved us by giving his life for us. His body, his blood given for us. It's a picture for us this morning as we come in faith, believing and trusting in the righteousness of Jesus Christ being credited to our accounts. It's hard for us to get our minds around that idea and yet we have this pointing us to that reality even as John 15 points us to that reality that Jesus laid down his life, a life that was perfect, a life of perfect obedience and love, and he gave it up so that we might be called the children of God, God's very beloved, dear, treasured possessions. So if you're here this morning and you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you're trusting in Him alone for your salvation and you have professed that faith publicly at Trinity or another church that believes and teaches God's Word is true, then as the elements come around to you, be reminded of this wonderful truth that Jesus has laid down His life for you to give you His righteousness. And also be reminded that as we eat and drink in faith, The Holy Spirit is at work to strengthen us so that as we go out this week, we can truly pursue biblical friendship that God might be glorified. So let's pause for a moment and let's thank Him for giving us this table and ask for Him to be at work through it. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank You so much for this means of grace, the Lord's Supper. Thank You for pointing us away from ourselves into Christ Jesus, that wonderful truth of what He has done for us by giving up His life, laying down His life for us. We confess that it is hard for us to understand, but we pray that you would help us to understand better every single day. Help us to grow in our understanding, and not simply in our understanding, but in our love for you, that we might truly love one another and love our neighbors as ourselves. Would you do this, Father, as you would send your Holy Spirit to strengthen us? For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.